421 on the DWS News Hour. Pleased to have with us Lieutenant Governor Evelyn Sanguinetti, who is in the area today. We'll talk a little bit more about why, but uh, Lieutenant Governor, certainly good to have you. Uh, it's for sure the first time with me on this program. I don't know if you've been on our airwaves before, but welcome to our studios. Thank you so much. Yeah, I don't believe I've I've been in your airwaves before, but there's a first time for everything. Yeah, well, we're we're glad to have you here, and apparently a first time for you today at lunch. What what were you eating? Well, uh, very excited about this. Uh, we all got together uh, to eat Asian carp. As you folks know, Asian carp is an invasive species uh, that's hit our waterways. And uh, we want to make sure to think outside of the box and think of creative ways in which to get rid of this uh, Asian carp. And so today we decided to partner with our friends in Louisiana who also want a piece of the action. And we had a chef come in and uh, we tried Asian carp in many ways. And uh, I'll have you know that Asian carp is considered a delicacy in some countries. Countries, and uh, we finally tried it today, and it was absolutely delicious. Is it? taste familiar to anything else you'd had fish-wise? Well, uh, since we were at the university, you know, they have their culinary school, and they did a fine job. So uh, for first course, we actually had uh, Asian carp on fried green tomatoes, and I'll have you know that it seemed like uh, I was having crab with that first course. And for the second course, they wrapped it up with some potato, and they fried it up, and pretty much anything you fry up will be good, but this was really good. So I, I suggest that people think outside of the box and try it because this is the only way we could start getting rid of this invasive species. Is it viable to become something that's regularly consumed here in Illinois? Oh, absolutely. And when you think about Asian carp, we could use Asian carp as fertilizers. We could use Asian carp uh, for animal treats. For example, I know this couple, a farming couple in Cuba, Illinois, that makes uh, animal treats for both uh, dogs and cats out of Asian carp. So it's definitely a treat to have, and we should consider expanding our minds and our bellies and uh, you know, eating it. And, well, their motto today is, if you can't beat them, eat them. <laughs> Are we finding them in any places? Besides, obviously, the Great Lakes is a concern and up what through the Illinois River. Uh, into Lake Michigan. Are they, are they showing up anywhere else that we need to w- worry about? Right. Well, there are different species. Uh, par- Asian carp, we also have uh, grass carp, too, uh, that we're going to find, and uh, the silverhead. And, uh, you know, right now we just need to think outside of the box and make sure that uh, we consume Asian carp so that our ecosystem will not be uh, vulnerable uh, to the Asian carp because, as you know, they grow quite large. They eat plankton, and uh, it threatens the other aquatic life that we have. We're visiting with Lieutenant Governor Evelyn Sanguinetti, who is in town today, and uh, you're promoting the consumption of Asian carp. And I noticed on the on the menu it's called silverfin. Perhaps that makes it more appealing. But w- right. if you didn't know what it was, you sounds like you would enjoy it. Yeah, well, the name is not attractive. If you think of it in Spanish, it sounds much sexier. It's carpa asiatica. <laughs> so maybe we should start calling it that to get people, uh, you know, more inclined to try it. Uh, there are other things you've been uh, working on that are important to you. I know the the opioid crisis, which is affecting much of the country, and obviously Illinois is something you've been working on to, uh, recently. Uh, what can you tell us about right. any progress there? Right. Well, now you took it to the sad part, Scott. So this is something 
thing that we've hit the ground running on. Uh, as you know, uh, from the national perspective, our president also recognizes that um, opioids is a big uh, health crisis, and we should uh, handle it like that. Uh, I found out about it being a huge health crisis through our coroner in DuPage County. I'm from Wheaton, Illinois. And in DuPage County, uh, you know, I never thought it was a concern. And uh, our coroner made sure to tell me that opioid substance use disorder that knows no neighborhood, no color, no class, and it's affecting and killing a lot of us. So after that, I took it upon uh, myself to join forces with a lot of stakeholders, agency heads, so that throughout the course of a year, we could develop a plan. And so that's probably where you heard about all of this back in September when the governor signed an executive order uh, calling for a task force to deal with this epidemic. And that was on September 6th, that very evening in Springfield, we also unveiled our opioid overdose prevention plan. Uh, We put this plan together by taking a look at good practices from other states that were getting it right. We're very proud of our plan, but as you know, any governmental plan could just sit on a shelf and collect dust. And uh, this is too important to ignore. So we started touring and having hearings all over the state to find out how different communities in Illinois were handling this epidemic. Uh, And uh, we've been to a lot of places. There's a lot of people showing up. A lot of locations are standing room only because it's hitting our communities hard. So you talk to certain areas and uh, their law enforcement and they deal with it differently. And pretty much you can't uh, arrest your way out of this epidemic. Uh, And we just want to make sure that over the course of time, we implement our plan and make sure that every community is handling handling, uh, the epidemic the same way. So you're probably wondering, okay, so you're touring and you have your plan. What have you folks done as a task force? I was just wondering, so what have you folks done? (laughs) Well, we're very proud of our initiatives. Uh, We're but a few months old and we already have our 1-800 number. You know, sometimes you could get to rural Illinois. We had the testimony of this woman that came home to have lunch with her 22 and her 23-year-old, and they had both overdosed. And uh, she said, I, I, I wish I could have been there and uh, to know more, because apparently my sons had been dealing with substance use disorder for a while. In some communities, this is so stigmatized. And so we need a 1-800 number so that at any place that you are in the recovery process, you could seek help. That number is one eight three three to find help that's the number two absolutely one eight three three to find help we also have a standing order on narcan and for those of you who don't know what narcan is it's the resuscitator if you're experiencing an overdose and more likely ready to die narcan is the one resuscitator that you could have our first responders sometimes have it but as you know in a lot of our rural communities those first responders can't get there quick enough so we all need to be equipped with narcan now we have a standing order where you could go and get narcan in walgreens so i I'm Narcan train, and I certainly recommend that all of us get Narcan train because we're all technically first responders with this epidemic. Also, too, we have a prescription monitoring program. In times past, our prescribers uh, were to elect whether or not they wanted to log in uh, to keep a, a, go into that database and keep track about where these opioids are going, who's uh, prescribing the opioids, and how much. As you know, if you have substance use disorder, these people have gotten very crafty. 
and they know where to look to shop for for it. And then over the course of time, you transition from uh, opioid use disorder to, of course, heroin and so on. And so if now it's mandatory for you to go into that prescription monitoring program as of January, we have the statistics already. 17,000 additional physicians have registered for this program. So we're making progress, but we still have a long way to go. It's good news to hear. Lieutenant Evelyn Sanguinetti, Lieutenant Governor, excuse me, Evelyn Sanguinetti is here with us for just a few minutes longer. And I wanted to ask you, uh, because the, uh, the, your position in government in the state of Illinois is a little bit vague, there's not a whole lot of direction given constitutionally or statutory. Um, how do you see the value and the impact of your office? Right. Well, that's a great question, Scott, because a lot of people did not know the role of the lieutenant governor. As a matter of fact, history shows that one lieutenant governor actually resigned out of boredom. And I would <laughs> submit to you that you get out of it what you put into it. So this time around, when uh, Bruce Rauner and I ran, the laws were changed such that each gubernatorial candidate got to pick his or her running mate. That's right. significantly different because they like each other. They're on the same plane. So the moment you win and you're sworn in, you hit the ground running because you have the same agenda. So that's significantly different because as soon as Bruce Rauner and I were sworn in, we were able to hit the ground running. And of course, uh, the first project that I handled was a co- the Task Force on Consolidation and Unfunded Mandates. And that's been a wonderful tool uh, for us to think about streamlining government and delivering to the people more efficient government. Uh, After that, uh, you know, we have statutory duties, but I don't know why um, we were unable in times past, my predecessors, to really effectuate those duties. And I think it's because both the governor and the lieutenant governor pick were not in sync. So now that Bruce Rauner and I are in sync, my statutory duties are these. I head the governor's Rural Affairs Council. I've already toured all 102 counties to find out out what makes rural Illinois tick or not tick. I also had the governor's Three Rivers Coordinating Council, which was what brought me to the university today to talk about invasive species, Asian carp. And also, too, I work with our congressional counterparts to make sure that our military installations are not subject to federal closure, which is really big because you know what happens to communities that are subject to federal closure. Property values go down and so on. So I am their biggest cheerleader. But with that, I'm able to handle other projects such as these task forces. Yep. I wanted to follow up. You on one of those. There's a lot there to unpack. And we'd right. love to have you back again when we have a little bit more extended time. But reaction to your commission's proposals on consolidation, it's an issue that's come up in Urbana, in fact, in the last few weeks after a hiring issue. And Urbana is considering uh, taking over Cunningham Township. So those types of things, uh, what uh, have you seen, what have you learned out of your proposals from the kind of feedback you're getting that you may want to a change from what you've already proposed or stay the course on? Right. So the approach to our uh, task force on consolidation and unfunded mandates was quite new uh, because what we wanted to do was deliver the power back to local government so that they could make the determinations as to what units of local government they could live with and what units they could do without. In times past, it was virtually impossible uh, for you to get over through all of those hurdles in order to 
consolidate with a neighboring unit of government and so on. So with this task force, we've been able to have 27 bipartisan recommendations, and we've already seen six become law. Because, But there's always pushback because people have gotten used to over the decades uh, doing the same thing. But we now have technology. We now have cars. So possibly we should be sharing services. We should be sharing expertise because at the end of the day, we need to deliver a more efficient, effective government to our voters, our constituents. Well, Lieutenant Governor, we appreciate you spending a little bit of time. I know you have a busy schedule today. Please come again. Well, we were both music majors in college, so we should jam next time I'm here. (laughs) That's right. You bring the keys, I'll bring the horn, and we'll see what happens. Be careful, public. Go (laughs) Illinois. Thank you. Lieutenant Governor Evelyn Sanguinetti with us here on the DWS News Hour. More news in a moment.